Praise the Lord once again, and this is Pastor Adams, President and Founder of Truth Matters Ministries. Thank the Lord today for another opportunity to share truths concerning the Word of God. And our position is very consistent with that that was outlined in the book of Peter, where it says in 1 Peter 3.15, Sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you of the hope that you have, but do it with humility and with reverence. And our intent and desire is to present truths, even though they may sometimes be counter to what many people stand for in the world, but we desire to do it with humility and with reverence to other people's humanity and position, but more so and above everything. We want to stand humble and we want to give reverence to the truth of God's word. Amen today. And we just thank God. We're going to be continuing today in our episode and our exposition on Islam. And before we do, we want to just pause and pray. Father, we thank you once again for all your many blessings. We thank you for life. We pray today for all of those today who are going and struggling in life's trials and tests. Lord, we thank you for that person who is standing in need of a miracle, that person who has been diagnosed with COVID-19, that family member who is stressed out because they're about to lose a loved one. Someone has just lost a loved one. And God, we thank you today that you are the comforter of our souls. You said that you would give us peace that surpasseth all understanding, that you give us peace, not as the world gives. That's the type of peace you give. We thank you, God, for shalom, shalom. We pray that the peace of God will permeate and that it will evade and persist throughout so many people's lives today. Let someone find you as a great refuge, as a high tower. They can find you as safety and protection from the storm. We pray even now, Lord God, that you would be, Lord God, just like a hen that covers their brood, they'll come to you and they'll find safety and relief. Save someone today. Let, Lord, our teaching today go forth with clarity. Let it go forth with precision. But above all, Lord, let it fall upon good ground that it might bring forth fruit unto life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Lord, we're so mindful today of the words that were spoken by uh, Shakaria. He says, the earth is supported by the power of truth. All things rest on truth. And I'm reminded of the words that were spoken by Andrei Sakharov, who was the actual Soviet scientist who developed the atomic bomb for the Soviet Union. He said, the greatest power is not the atomic bomb. The greatest power in the world is truth. And in this Truth Matters podcast, we would like to present truths that will allow men to be free. And today we're going to start our teaching and exposition on the differences between the Bible and the Quran. And please take note of this. The Bible just by its structure, it's monotheistic and its teachings are Trinitarian. According to Isaiah 43.10, Isaiah 44.6 and 8, Matthew 28.19, and 2 Corinthians 13 and 14. And in contrast, the Quran is monotheistic. 
according to Surah 5, uh, 7 and 3, Surah 112 and 1 through 4. And also it denies the Trinity according to Surah 5 and 73. Now, when you look at the Bible, it confirms that Jesus is God in the flesh, according to Colossians 2 and 9. But the Quran says something quite different. It says Jesus is not God, according to Surah 5, 17 and 75. The Bible declares that Jesus was crucified, according to 1 Peter 2 and 24. But in the Quran, it says Jesus was not crucified according to Surah 4, 157. The Bible says that Jesus rose from the dead according to John 2, 19 and 20. But the Quran says Jesus did not rise from the dead. The Bible says Jesus was a son of God according to Mark 1 and 1. The Quran says Jesus was not the son of God according to Surah 9 and 30. The Bible declares strongly that the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Godhead, that he will bear witness of Jesus, according to John 14, 26 and John 15 and 26. However, the Quran says the Holy Spirit is the angel Gabriel, according to Surah 297 and Surah 16, 102. The Bible trumpets this truth that salvation by grace comes through faith according to Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. The Quran says that salvation comes by sincerity and works, according to Surah 3, 135, Surah 7, 8 and 9. The Bible it exclaims so proudly, and it lets us know for sure that man is fallen and is a sinner, according to Romans 3 and 23. The Quran says something quite different. It says that man is basically good. The Bible says that disciples were Christians according to Acts 11 and 26. The Quran says disciples declare themselves Muslims according to Surah 5, 111. The Bible says worship on the Sabbath according to Exodus 20, and then later transition to Sunday, according to Romans 14, 5 and 6, and Acts 20 and 7. But the Quran says worship on Friday, according to Surah 62 and 9. Within the Bible, we see a, a plethora of miracles, more miracles, too numerous to be recorded, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5, etc., but in the Quran, there are no miracles recorded, except they claim that the Quran is a miracle. Our Bibles are full, just loaded with numerous prophecies, such as Isaiah 53, Micah 5 and 2, Psalms 22, Zechariah 12 and 10. But you'll find in the Quran that there are no prophecies. We see a huge difference between the Bible and the Quran. And we find it very interesting and quite ironic that the Quran boasts to be the most sublime and perfect and inerrant doctrine or document that has ever been produced, but yet it is 
500 years in production after the Bible, claims to be a modern, more recent revelation from the God of creation, but yet is contrary and it contradicts and it is extremely impotent when you contrast it to the power and the mighty working of the God of the Bible. So the Bible, unlike the Quran, is replete with prophecies that could not have been fulfilled through chance or good guesses or deceit. See, the Bible is filled and it has detailed prophecies and accounts of Jesus' life. The prophecies would have been impossible for Jesus to conspire or to fulfill. His birthplace was predicted according to Micah 5, verse 2 and 3. His crucifixions in Psalms 22 and 16 was predicted. The fact of gambling for his garments, the piercing of his side according to Zechariah 12 and 10, all of those are clearly outlined hundreds and hundreds of years before they took place. But in sharp contrast, we find that the prophetic confirmation of the Quran is conspicuous by their absence. See, there is no prophetic confirmation of the Quran. The Quran is riddled with factual errors. Most importantly, is its denial of Christ's resurrection, according to Surah 4157, which says, they killed him not, nor crucified him, but so it was made to appear to them, for of a surety they killed him not. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that if Christ be not risen, then is our faith vain. And the Bible says, and if in this life, meaning with no option or with any aspects of resurrection from the dead, it says we are all without hope and above men most miserable. See, this is critical for the resurrection of Christ is the most established facts in human history. Even in this age of what we call scientific enlightenment, there is a vital consensus from liberal and conservatives alike that Jesus died on a Roman cross. These facts are corroborated by archaeology, also by history and items such as the Pilate stones, also has been confirmed by the burial grounds of Caiaphas. The Quran, not able to disprove facts of the crucifixion, claims that Judas was a Jesus lookalike and was crucified in Jesus' place, while the temerity and the unfounded, uncorroborated comment and, and uh, indictment against Jesus Christ and the Bible. The Quran is filled with ethical inconsistencies as well. Most notably, its treatment and its inequality of women. Read Surah 4 and 3, also Surah 33 and 50. We find that truth matters that Muslims say, that the Quran is recited or spoken directly to Muhammad, so there was no possibility of error. But that premise sinks by the fact that human beings had to write it in Aramaic. What do you mean by that, Pastor Adams? Fallible, imperfect, error-filled, sinful human beings had to write it in Aramaic. Muhammad had to recite to scribes. Why? Because he couldn't read or write. What did you say, Pastor Adams? Yeah, Muhammad had to recite to scribes because he couldn't read or he couldn't write. The scribe had to recite back to Muhammad for verification, thus creating what? A dependency on two human memories to retain 
the alleged words of God. That's right, truth matters today. The Quran even submits itself to the human practice of abrogation. What do you mean by that? See, by abrogation, we mean that men can change the Quran anytime they desire. That can't be true, Pastor Adams. Well, that's what abrogation is, and that's what's happened throughout history. What the scribes alleged to have memorized was futile. Why? For these words and the seers were changed and are changed today. The Quran that is read today is quite different from what Muhammad originally presented. Muhammad even changed the Quran to permit marrying his daughter-in-law after he married his. Things that make you say, huh? And the question arises is, so are there really errors in the Quran? Well, we're going to go through a few of them. The Quran does have errors. Some of the errors in the Quran are self-contradictions that Nashk tries to bridge. But the Quran also has historical and archaeological errors, as well as errors in mathematics and logic. For example, the Quran states that one night Allah took Muhammad to Al-Qulsa, or a mosque in Jerusalem. It says, exalted is he who took his servant by night to Al-Masjid, Al-Haram, to Al-Masjid, Al-Qasa, in the Quran in Surah 17 and 1. The Muslim army captured Jerusalem in 637 AD, and Al-Qasa Mosque was built in the early 8th century. See, the problem with that claim in the Quran is that Muhammad died before the Muslim army even reached Jerusalem, and decades before all Al-Qasa Mosque was even built. So if you want to confirm this and if you want to educate this, I want you to see Al-Aqsa Mosque and it will give you details of its building and we already know that Muhammad was already dead. Or consider in the Quran a 20 which claims that Moses confronted Aaron and a Samaritan for having made the golden calf for the Israelites while he, Moses, was on Mount Sinai. This is what it says. Moses said, Oh, Aaron, what prevented you when you saw them go astray from following me? Then have you disobeyed my order? Aaron said, Oh, son of my mother, do not seize me by my beard or by my head. Indeed, I feared that you would say, You caused division among the children of Israel, and you did not observe or await my word. Moses said, And what is your case, O Samaritan? in Surah 20, 92 through 95. See, what the truth is, is Assyria conquered the Jewish northern kingdom in 722 BC, exiled its upper class and brought in conquered people from other lands who intermarried with lower class Jews who had been allowed to stay there. Now consider this truth. Their offspring were called Samaritans or Samari or Samarians. In some translations of the Quran, because they occupied the region of Samaria named after the original owner, Shemar. You can read about this in 1 Kings 16 and 24 in the Bible. See, the Jews despise the Samaritans both for being a mixed race 
and for setting up their own temple to complete against to compete against the temple in Jerusalem. With the golden calf incident near Mount Sinai mentioned in Surah 20, 92 and 95, it took place in 1446 BC, which was 725 years before the first Samaritan was born in 721 BC. But see, it even gets worse. Here's what the Quran says about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Listen to this. It says, Then she brought Jesus to her people carrying him. They said, Oh Mary, you have certainly done a thing unprecedented. O oh, sister of Aaron, your father was not a man of evil, nor was your mother unchaste. In Surah 19, 27 and 28. And Mary, the daughter of Imran, who guarded her chastity, and he, we breathed into her body of our spirit, and she believed in the words of her Lord and of, our, and of his revelations, and was of the devoutly obedient in Surah 66 and 12. There are a number of women who are named Mary. They were also spelled Maria or Miriam in English, in the English Bible. Yeah, and one of them is the mother of Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit, according to Matthew 1 and 18. But the Mary, who was the daughter of Imram, spelled A-M-R-A-N in the Bible, and the sister of Aaron was the sister of Moses, who lived in the 15th century B.C., the name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, and was born to Levi in Egypt and to Amram. She bore Aaron and Moses and her sister Miriam, according to Numbers 26 and 59. Therefore, unless Mary was 1,500 years old when she bore Jesus, indeed, unless Joseph married a 1,500-year-old virgin, Muhammad mistook two different women in the Bible and he construed them as being the same Mary. Do you see the error and then the implications of false doctrine and the dilution and the denial of the Immaculate Conception and the miraculous virgin birth of Jesus Christ? So why does the Quran contain such glaring errors? The approximate reason is that Muhammad was illiterate and therefore he could not read the Bible for himself. He had only a vague and often incorrect knowledge of the Bible. And he had to have other people read it for him. The ultimate reason, of course, is that Muhammad was a false prophet who confessed to mistaking the voice of Satan as God's. I want you all to, to, to read an article in a book called Prophet Muhammad. And also, he also tried to cover up these and other embarrassing errors with, in his own religious construct. So what else, do we, what else do we need to find out about the Quran? A question arises, where does the Quran, and where does the Quran say that there is no compulsion in religion? Does it really say that? And what does compulsion in religion mean? It means that there is no contention there is no stiff arming 
and there is no opposition to other religions. It says, there shall be no compulsion in religion. The right course has become clear from the wrong. So whoever disbelieves in the false deities and believes in Allah has grasped the most trustworthy handhold with no break in it. Allah is hearing and knowing according to Surah 2, 256. Say, O disbelievers, I do not worship what you worship, nor are you worshipers of what I worship, nor will I be a worshiper of what you worship, nor will you be a worshipers of what I worship. For you is your religion, and for me is my religion, according to Surah 109, 1 through 6. But the Quran's no compulsion statement above contradicts its prescription below to kill non-Muslims if they don't pay the infidel tax and if they don't go out and massacre during jihad. What does it say? Accepted are those with whom you made a treaty among the infidels and then they have not been deficient toward you in anything or supported anyone against you. So complete for them their treaty until their term. Indeed, Allah loves the righteous. And when the sacred months have passed, then kill the infidels wherever you find and capture them and besiege them and sit and wait for them at every place of ambush. But if they should repent, establish prayer and pay tribute tax. Let them go on their way. Indeed, Allah is forgiving and merciful. Surah 9, verse 4 through 5. It is not for a prophet to have captives of war until he inflicts a massacre in the land. Some Muslims desire the commodities of this world, but Allah desires the hereafter, and Allah exalted in might and wise. Surah 8 and 67. So why does the Quran contradict itself as we've just mentioned here. See, the Quran began to be written when Muhammad led only a small group of his followers in Mecca and had no military power. See, the parts of the Quran written during this period were not belligerent and only sought recognition for his new religion. After Muhammad moved his group to Medina and became a powerful warlord, his Quran became belligerent and also intolerant towards non-Muslims. I want you to see and read a book called The War Against Islam. Muslims today employ taqiyya and claim that Islam is still a religion of peace, but they know that through Nashk, the early nonviolent surahs in the Quran have been abrogated by the later violent surahs, which apply to the Muslims of today. So what are you saying here, Pastor Adams? I had mentioned previously that the Quran that many people read today is quite different from the Quran that originally was delivered and distributed by Muhammad. And because of the principle of abrogation that you can get rid of one teaching and one princing and abrogate it and cast it into oblivion, that teaching such as compulsion, having no compulsion for other religious groups, has been replaced by abrogation. And even though so many Muslims who live today in the 21st century who stood on and who 
believed in those principles of peace and love and forgiveness and walking in harmony, even if people did not believe in Islam or were Muslims, has been cast aside for a more intolerant, more hostile, and a more violent Islam today. See, Quran surahs are not ordered chronologically too. I think that's very important to understand. After Muhammad died in 632 AD, different versions and elements of the Quran abounded. In 1651 AD, Caliph Altman, Aben Afan, he ordered a small group to produce a standardized version of the Quran. The group produced 114 seers, ordered mainly based on their length, longer seers near the front. Their work was accepted in a compromise, and they actually comprised, rather, the Quran that the world has today. Utman in often ordered all other versions and elements of the Quran burned. Surahs 2 and 109 came early in Muhammad's life, while Surahs 8 and 9 came later. After Muhammad achieved military dominance in the region in which he lived, the Quran originally discouraged wine, but you were at liberty to drink it. Then it was changed to condemn it only before prayer. And then finally, they forbade it totally, according to Surah 2, 219, Surah 5 and 90. See, Islam used what was called tafsirs to act as jurists and scientific, historical, and transmissions of the Quranic revelation. So in truth, Far from being an inerrant document, the Quran has been handled by biased hands, placing itself as replacements of God's holy word. The Bible says we are founded upon the doctrine of the apostles and the prophets, which is past tense. And Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. If a future person came along claiming to be a prophet with a new revelation, God's people were warned but we already were established by the teachings of the past, the prophets, and of Jesus Christ. And then along comes Muhammad. He claimed that the angel Gabriel gave him a new revelation. This is absolutely impossible. Why do you say that, Pastor Adams? Because the Bible states that all angels, including Gabriel, were subjects of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 1.22 and in Hebrews 1 and 6, it reveals that God told Gabriel to worship Jesus. Gabriel told John on the island of Patmos that he had the testimony of Jesus. Who had the testimony of Jesus? Gabriel did. And if he had the testimony of Jesus, that's so important. And that the essence of truth is revealed by Jesus. And Jesus is the spirit of all prophecy, the vital breath the inspiration of all inspired preaching and the interpretation of the divine will and purposes of God. See, it is a lie. Gabriel would never be the transporter or courier of a document or a revelation that discredits and demotes Jesus of his deity. Furthermore, Jesus would never send Gabriel to deliver a perverse document that contradicted his already completed and sufficient revelation which is Genesis to the book of Revelation Muslims claim they follow the teachings of the Torah, Psalms and the Gospels however 
this is not true. Why do you say that? I say it because if they followed the Psalms and the Gospels, they would have given jurisprudence to the things written concerning the deity of Christ. Psalm speaks about Christ's crucifixion and deity. Matthew calls Jesus God with us. John 1 and 1 says that Jesus was God in the beginning. John 10 33 said that Jesus was God in human form. John 20 and 28 records how Thomas called Jesus Lord and God. John 8 58 records how Jesus says, I am the I am, the Ikea who has always existed. The truth is for the Muslim, the Quran has superseded the Bible, therefore obscuring the fact of Christ's deity. So today we thank you for taking time to join this Truth Matters podcast. And our intent is to reveal truths that perhaps Islam and the Quran and the leaders of the mosque have not revealed because one thing we know today there are a lot of things in the world that should have priority we should pray we should love each other but one thing that we can never ever ever set aside and that is we must stand for the truth because the truth does indeed matter you pray for us in Jesus name amen